Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, yes, we are uh, back with the final hour here on a Thursday. Oh, and by the way, Kenny, I have uh, been putting the word out on the Internet. I need jokes. And guess what? I'm getting people responding. I've got a pretty good selection of jokes that I think you're going to enjoy tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see about that. See, see, it doesn't work, Kenny, if you're against it right from the get-go before you've even heard any of them. Well, that's true, but I've been let down before, Brad, and I'm just a bit skeptical. <laughs> okay. Say, it was interesting. We were talking at the end of the last hour about why marriages doesn't seem to be looked at as favorably as it used to be. I mean, when you talk 60% down from the 70s... Um, I looked at a few more numbers in this story, and it turns out, and I, 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 can I play devil's advocate here? Yes, do that. Okay. Maybe it's because women find that they don't need a man as much as maybe they used to in days gone by. Yeah, well, wait until you get 20 inches of snow. You'll need that man. Or wait till the grass <laughs> is knee high. You'll need that man. Or wait till garbage week. You'll need that man. You'll need that. <laughs> Garbage week. <laughs> but that's what they're kind of saying in the story is that women are earning more today. Yeah, they're yeah. finding jobs plentiful. I see that. Um, sure. You know, so maybe they well, and, and the one key to this story, I think, was the number of women entering their first marriage between the age of 40 and 59 whoa, whoa, whoa. has jumped by 75 percent wow. since 1990. Since How much? 70 what percent? 75. 75 percent. Between the ages of? Of 40 and 59. In other words, they're waiting much longer. That's, that's incredible. To get married. Yeah. Jeez. So I don't know. This woman that wrote the story, Melinda Eitzen, she's a, a partner in a in an organization called Duffy and Eitzen, and she's a, a highly experienced in all facets of family law. She's a lawyer, and she she says, unfortunately, she gets a lot of her expertise on marriage because she meets couples when they're filing for divorce, and hmm. she said that's when that's where I find out what went wrong in the marriage. And uh, what maybe could be changed to make things go right. So I, I don't know. Kind of an interesting subject, though. Why why uh, we why we see that today? That uh, they just don't seem to be don't seem to be getting married nearly as fast. Well, maybe our uh, legal beagle, Chris Dahlberg, might have something to say about that. He might have something to say with that. We're going to talk to Nicole, NASCAR Nicole. Maybe she wants to tackle this one. Oh, maybe she. <laughs> well, she probably doesn't want to. She probably doesn't want to talk about why. Well, let's see if she does, because I think she is one of these ladies that is non-married, right? Correct. Nicole? Correct. Okay. So we're having a discussion because there's a story out this morning that says that since the 1970s. Women, I mean, men and women are getting married much later in life. And in fact, uh, the, the marriage rates for men and women since 1970 have dropped by 60 some percent. 
uh, people really? getting married. They're waiting until much later. Says women are waiting until they're 40 to 55 by about 75%. 75% of women are waiting much longer. Hmm. You, do you think it? Do you think maybe it's uh, my theory on it is that women have found out they don't need a man and they want to they want to make sure that the that the relationship is right before they jump into it. Makes sense to me. It yeah. makes sense to me. I mean, I used to be one of those ones who, oh, I have to get married at a certain age and I have to have kids by a certain age and I have to do this and I have to yeah. I have to do that, but that obviously did not did not pan out and you know what i'm i'm totally happy the way that i am right now and if something happened it happens if it doesn't well that's that's what my thought process was there is that yeah yeah, most women are happy it's their position in life now they're finding it easier to get jobs uh, closer Mm -hmm. to dependable uh, incomes where they can provide for themselves so why do it unless 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 it really becomes a thing of Oh my God! I'm just so in love. I got to do it. Yeah, and even then, yeah. that you know, that doesn't always. It's not always a good reason to, you know, to do it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's you know, true. But you know, to each his own. And everybody, I'm not going to pass judgment on anybody. But I think that that is a good theory, um, at least based on my experience, anyway. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, what's uh, what's happening over at the uh, Dahlberg Law Firm? Well, we're just working away on estate planning and and. Probates. Chris was Chris was telling me yesterday he had three new clients yes, contact yes, him yesterday. Three brand new estate planning clients, and tomorrow we've got a really busy day with clients. Some of which are new, some of which are coming in to sign their documents, some of which are coming okay. in. We've done their drafts and they're coming in to make changes. So it's it's quite busy day tomorrow too. So we're just we just keeping busy with all of that in people in different stages of the of the process. Whether you know they're a new right. clients, whether they're we have one who's coming in who was in a different state and just moved to Minnesota and needs to update things. And so, yeah, so there's many different situations that we deal with on a regular basis, and we can help you with all Well, that's what I think. Uh, I think that's what happens is people come to the realization that they probably need a will at different stages of their life. Different things happen in their life. Absolutely. Many times it does. And in fact, Chris has said this too, that many times, unfortunately, it's after a family member dies and then you realize, wow, yeah. I better get my affairs in order. Well, there's another thing that we always do with our clients too. After after five years, we send out a letter to clients and say, you know, it might be time to review your estate plan because maybe circumstances have changed. Maybe there's been a death in the family. Maybe there's been a divorce. Maybe there's been a falling out um, with one of your children, and you might want to change sure. your document. So it's a, we always recommend that it's a good um, five to seven years is a good time to kind of reassess the situation and find out, you know, maybe there's some changes. Maybe you had it done, and the kids were all minors, but now they're all grown up and they have kids of their own. So you no longer need a guardianship for minor children because they're over 18. Um, and so you can, you know, revise that and make it a lot simpler. So there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of different circumstances involved with that. So that's why we always recommend to review it every once in a while. So Well, let's uh, let's let our listeners know how to get a hold of the Dahlberg uh, agency when this uh, when this happens, when it when they come to the realization that, man, I should get my uh, I should get my life in order here and get things <laughs> taken care of. So I don't have to worry about this if something unforeseen happens to me while I'm out shoveling snow. Absolutely. You can give us a call at 218-722-5809, 218-722-5809. And that's for Minnesota and Wisconsin Estate Planning. So. Excellent. All right, Nicole, thank you so much. Thank you. Stay busy. We like it, and uh, we'll be back. All right. So, uh, so Kenny, 
early in the show, I was talking about uh, the fact that uh, this uh, general with the Ukrainian army, he's a, uh, he's an, uh, he was, he was with their special forces units. He's the youngest general ever to be, uh, to be ranked as a general in the Ukrainian army, but he's also now a, 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 a I guess you'd call him a spy. He's, uh, he's gone underground. He's gone behind the, behind enemy lines He's uh, seen what makes the Russians tick, where, where their equipment is, how they're stored. Uh, he was giving information in a story this morning that said that if the Russians don't uh, pull something off very quickly, they're going to be out of, I think he described it as uh, military uh, equipment. In other words, war machines, uh, because he said the uh, Ukrainians have destroyed half of the Russian tank fleet. Uh, and on and on. And I mean, it's a huge thing. But on the other side of the coin, there's an Associated Press story this morning from Susie Blaine, who writes about the war. She writes from Kiev that the Ukrainian military might pull troops back from the key stronghold of Bakumat, an advisor to Ukrainian president on Wednesday in remarks that suggested Russia could capture the city that has become a symbol of the Ukrainian resistance. Kremlin forces have waged a bloody months-long offensive to take Bakumat, a city of salt and uh, gypsum mines that has become a ghost town. Our military is obviously going to weigh all of our options. So far, we've held the city, but if need be, they will strategically pull back, said Alexander Rodanovsky, an economic advisor on Ukrainian President Volminsky, Zelensky. We're not going to sacrifice all of our people just for nothing. The battle for Bakumat has come to embody Ukrainians' determination as the city defenders hold out against relation, relentless shelling and Russian troops who have suffered heavy casualties. Bakumat lies in the Donetsk region or province, one of four provinces Russia illegally annexed last fall. <clears throat> Moscow's control, Moscow now controls half of the Donetsk province. To uh, to take the remaining half, Russian forces must go through Bakumat, the only approach to bigger Ukrainian-held cities since Ukrainian troops took back Izum in Kaparov province in September. But analysts say the fall of Bakumat would be a blow for Ukraine and offer tactical advantages to Russia, but would not prove decisive. In other words, yes, it would be very harmful to Ukraine psychologically to lose the city of Bakumat, but it, it wouldn't be the end of things and it, would, it wouldn't prove decisive. Uh, the same guy noted that Russia has was using the Wagner, the uh, well, it's called the Wagner W A G N E R group. This is a uh, this is a private military company. In other words, it's like mercenaries uh, that are known for brutal tactics and is led by uh, an individual named Yergeny Previjan, a, a rogue multimillionaire with long-time ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin. <clears throat> and he has hired this private mercenary army, the Wagner Group, and they, are, they have the city surrounded, have the whole city encircled. The, this, uh, so anyway, it looks, uh, it says Bakuman is now 
uh, partially encircled. All roads in, including the main supply route, are within range of Russian fire. Uh, the city lies in ruins and no longer has any strategic or operational significance. Recent drone footage showed the scale of devastation in the city, and Zelensky has described the city as destroyed. In other words, it's there's nothing there. We got to go to our first break here of hour number three. We will be back shortly with more on six ten, uh, KDAL in the afternoon. Sound off. KDAL time is one twenty five. I've got twenty three at the uh, Sky Harbor Airport. Twenty three. Fair skies, northeast wind at 6, little bite in the air, 16 on the wind chill. Let's go to the Iron Range, Brad. Let's go check uh, Eveleth, uh, Eveleth, Virginia Municipal. Uh, partly cloudy, 24, south wind at 9, 14 on the wind chill in Eveleth. And Solon Springs, Wisconsin. Let's go down to Solon Springs, mostly cloudy, 27. Uh, light wind, west at 3, so nothing on the wind chill there. And uh, we've got uh, some mild temperatures that we'll deal with, uh, nothing that's going to break any records or anything. And, Brad, uh, we do have a caller on the phone, I know, but real quickly, uh, today, 3-2-23, it's the first of 11 palindromes this month. Ooh. Yeah. 3-2, of course, is like 3-2 beer, right? Which they still, three, two I, beer. I guess, do sell. It's yeah. also peace sign because when you're holding up two fingers, you're also uh, having three fingers in your palm. So it's 3-2 day there <laughs> with a peace sign. But 3-2-23 is the same backwards, 3-2-23. And uh, we're going to have a stretch of, what is it, nine days coming up starting March 20th. We're going to have a nine-day stretch of... Uh, of the palindromes, where uh, the numbers... Where everything is the same backwards as it is frontwards? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. It is. All righty. Uh, so who do we have on the phone? Eric from Duluth. Eric, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. See, the Emily Larson administration has failed again. Uh, this morning, Duluth didn't have schools, and everybody around us did. Allegedly, they couldn't clean the roads fast enough. It's just amazing to me. And then when you call the Larson administration, they have no answer for it, and they say that she's not in charge and that it's up to the schools. Kenny, I'm sorry. I was having a really hard time hearing Eric. Could you kind of oh, give me a little... Oh, boy. I, you couldn't hear him? Yeah, I really... The I schools were time. closed today. Duluth schools were... Really? Clo- yes. You're kidding. No. Uh, Why, six... because of the snow yesterday? Well, yeah. Now, the snow did come fast and furious, but my goodness... I would think that a city like Duluth that averages 90 inches of snow every year could pride themselves on snow removal. I mean, the cities around us, and that's what he said, to Cloquet, Superior. I asked Dave Strandberg this morning. I said, did Superior close? He goes, no. None of the schools so around Superior's Duluth. Superior's not closed. Cloquet's nope. not nope. closed. Proctor. But Duluth is. Yes. That's, uh, that's almost bizarre. That really is. And you have to ask why. You know, why is that happening? They're asleep at the wheel. I mean, I don't know why it is such a hard task to keep our streets cleared when it comes to snow. Again, we are a northern major, we're a major city uh, further north than most major cities. We get a lot of snow. I would make that a priority if, if I was mayor. Yes. I, I mean, seriously, Brad, I, and I've thought well, about maybe, this. Maybe we need to send somebody over to Houghton, Michigan, and ask them, how do you remove, uh, exactly. what do they get, like two to three hundred inches of snow every Mark year? Marquette, Michigan has 178 inches of snow so far. Yeah. They laugh now, I, at Duluth. You I, guys can't I even realize, clear your streets? 
no, I, I realize we have a series of hills, and that sure, might be a sure. little bit more difficult. But the major thoroughfares are all east-west, most of them, and uh, they're all fairly flat. Why can't they keep them straight? I, I, I would make that a priority. And I don't want to hear the nonsense about, well, we don't have money in the budget. Put the money there. Take the money from all this other nonsense that you spend it on. They got a lot of pandemic yeah. money. They're uh, redoing City Hall and tearing that to get an HVAC system in there. And I'm not saying that City Hall doesn't need that. I, I think that they do need that there, Brad. But I don't think it should be a priority over our streets. Over the streets. Now, I think uh, Mayor Larson is going to have uh, some answering to do come election time if she doesn't do something with the potholes this spring. The potholes, from my understanding, from talking to lots of people, have gotten worse instead of better. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things she said was going to happen once we uh, instituted that new taxes, that that was going to help us get rid of potholes. That was a scam. <laughs> that was a scam out yeah. of the chute. Well, it hasn't happened. Of so, course, yeah. the other thing is, yeah. No schools today. The other today. thing is that. No school. So the kids are all home. They should, well, everybody in Duluth should have a driveway completely uh, empty of snow then with all those kids home. I know when I was that age, uh, if I was uh, at home because I couldn't get to school, uh, my grandfather would have said, there's the shovel, buddy. Get the driveway emptied. You know, I'll say it again, and, and it might be the neighborhood I live in, and so I have to deal with it more. But I, And I know there's other uh, areas of Duluth where the streets are just not wide enough. And I've never understood why Duluth doesn't build its streets yeah. or at least provide the snow removal so you don't have to stop on West 3rd Street to let the approaching, approaching bus get by you. Yeah, get through there. It just boggles my mind that we can have a more better snow removal and better streets than we do when it comes to removing snow. Make the streets wider, for goodness gracious. Why is that no so hard, kidding. Brad? Well, listen, we got to take our CBS News break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little about, uh, you know, we've been talking about education this morning and how we're, in many cases we're not getting our dollars worth out of education. Wisconsin has a different issue, and uh, I'll talk to you about that and how they're figuring out what they're getting for education uh, when we come back after CBS News. KDAL time, 136. Ely checks in, 25 degrees. Boy, they warmed up quite a bit, Ely, at 25. This morning, they dipped down to 15 below. Oh. Up 40 so degrees. So who was that little band you just came back with? The drummer was fantastic in that little piece. i got to tell you, Brad, this is a three-piece band out of Southern California. They uh, they hit the streets running back in. This album here is from 1992. And this is off of uh, the band's debut album. It's the band is called or the song is called Dim. Great harmony parts. The band is Dada. Dada, uh, abstract Dada, form of okay. art. And uh, Dada's yeah. uh, again a Southern California band. And this was a great album, a great song, and they're great musicians. All three of them. Oh, are just the drummer fantastic. was outstanding. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, the drummer. You ever heard of the Blue Group? I've never seen them. Yes, they're guys. Yes. They have the latex blue faces, and yes, the drummer right, yeah. has performed with them from time to time. Okay, yeah. okay. 
In fact, uh, the Blue Group used to be kind of a, a, a regular unit in Vegas, weren't they? Didn't they play at a yeah. lot of big uh, Vegas centers? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, I want to get into this real quick. Uh, you know, in Minnesota and in most other states, student counts are how education dollars flow into the schools. In other words, uh, if you have X number of students that attend your school on a regular basis, you will get so much money per head per student, and that comes to your school. Wisconsin uses kind of an archaic system uh, that they call the rolling three-year uh, it says you, they use a, a, a system known as the three-year rolling average in counting students and for calculating school district revenue limits. Under this system, three years of enrollment data are used in calculating how much money the district is able to collect from state and local taxpayers. However, since the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic, enrollment in Wisconsin schools has dropped by more than 3% with some districts suffering even greater drops or declines. Wisconsin's current system misallocates funding to districts for students who no longer attend school in the district. This means that the Wisconsin taxpayers are still paying for students that are no longer in the system. And they use these as examples. They say the three-year rolling average is an antiquated system of school attendance costing taxpayers millions. We know where each student is attending school in Wisconsin on, on a daily basis. Our school funding system should reflect that rather than being years behind in this rolling three-year average. Statewide, Wisconsin funds more than 20,000 ghost students. Now, a ghost student is a student who doesn't attend school anymore. Children outside of the school system are still counted as being enrolled. A net of about 20,703 students are no longer in the system, but they're still being funded by state taxpayers. More than $359 million is misallocated to ghost students in Wisconsin due to the three-year rolling average. Wisconsin taxpayers are on the hook for hundreds of millions of students that no longer attend school in many districts at all. So they're saying, look, this organization uh, that put this out, they said our, the, the recommendation would be this. The policy brief provides two solutions. In effort to improve the future of education spending in Wisconsin, eliminate or phase out the three-year rolling average and replace it with a dynamic, uh, dynamic enrollment count, in other words, a daily count. This would be achieved by basing funding on the most recent enrollment counts from the previous year, while more frequent counts could be possible as well. And I couldn't agree with that more. So, Wisconsin, you better get up to date. Sounds like you're uh, wasting a lot of taxpayers' money over there in Wisconsin. Well, you know, here in Minnesota... Uh, we, you know, we've we've had uh, discussions about energy production, and of course, uh, Go Governor Walls has indicated that uh, within the next number of years, uh, what is it by 2024? I think it's by 2040 that uh, the state of Minnesota has to produce 100% carbon-free electricity. Well, you know. There's a story out this morning uh, about biomass plants. There's a biomass plant up in Hibbing. 
Hibbing Renewable Energy. Uh, during this winter's bone-chilling 20 to 30 below zero days, Hibbing Renewable Energy Center pumped out locally produced, reliable, affordable steam heat and electricity to customers in Hibbing. But the 128-year-old municipality-owned utility is now uncertain about the future of its biomass-burning electricity and steam-generating system because a bill passed by Minnesota legislature and signed by Governor Tim Walls requires Minnesota utilities by 2040 to produce 100% carbon-free electricity. Why? Well, the book... Well, it's just because he wants it done, I but, guess. Well, he, he, he claims that that's going to keep us from burning biocarbons. No, I or, know, uh, I know. You know, But yeah. is the result of doing this going to save the planet, save humanity, no. save the glaciers? No, in fact, what I don't understand is you have a system like this that for 128 years has worked in Hibbing. They've been able to, to keep... Heat bills very reasonable. Unreal, and what Brad. they do is they they're burning up old pieces of wood, leftover wood from the logging operations, and uh, but there's that's huge, awesome. It is. I mean, it really is. Luke Peterson, the Hibbing Renewable Energy General Manager, said, "says Look, I'm blue-eyed and bushy-tailed, assuming that at some point legislature can make sense. Everybody wants things to succeed, but what I think this bill is." is just check the box for environmentalism with yeah. little thought to procedures yeah. and what we really are dealing with here. Do those things in your area, Governor Walls. Yeah. Don't try to... Yeah. Uh, he's out of his mind. And Brad, you and Tom were talking uh, earlier, and I think uh, the, the quote was um, Nikki Haley on what she said, but I think what you were trying to look for, or Tom, was what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in her response to the president's State of the Union address, and she said the dividing line in America is no longer between right and left. It's between normal or crazy. And crazy, yeah. (laughs) And some people really thought that was awful and terrible. But, Brad, i got to tell you, she is spot on. And it's happening in our government right here in Minnesota. All the Democrats in this state are on the crazy side. Look at the policies. Well, think Think about this in, in Hibbing, just this one thing in Hibbing. The biomass system started, uh, restarted in 2021 after operating from 2007 to 2018. About 6,000 tons of biomass, what they mean there is scrap lumber, produced by northeastern Minnesota loggers are burned each month to help produce electricity and steam heat to Hibbing's Renewable Center customers. Beyond residential customers, the facility supplies heat and electricity to Hibbing's downtown area, Hibbing High School, Fairview Regional Medical Center, Blessed Sacrament Church, and several other large customers. In addition to electrical generation, waste steam produced by the biomass is used to provide heat to the city's heating district. However, under the legislation... Peterson said it remains unclear how the city's biomass system will be clarified or classified under the carbon-free bill. In the next two weeks, we have a brief, uh, a brief graphic to share with legislators about the symbol of carbon and also talk about the bigger social benefits of what we're doing 
Peterson said. This is how Finland has gotten to be both renewable and carbon-free by 2025, by heavy use of renewable from biomass, primarily and nuclear. Wow. In other words, the whole country of Finland yeah. is either biomass or nuclear, and because of that, they're absolutely carbon-free. It's too valuable not to utilize biomass. What is biomass? Simply, it's renewable energy from plants and animals. And what you get right. from animals is what they, they're dung, they're the manure, basically. Yeah. Ba- and in Brad, this case, in Hibbing, they're burning leftover waste product from logging operations. According to, the, uh, according to more than one story on the Internet, wood and wood residue is the largest biomass energy source today. Yep. Why would we not yep. use that, Governor Walls, you fool? It, it is. It's, it's really foolish. Uh, the Public Utilities Commission uh, has, uh, they're, they're going to determine what the, out, what the outcome of this is. Uh, but uh, wood chips, wh- what they talk about in the story here is they say that the wood chips uh, they are burning would otherwise be outdoors rotting on the ground, which also emit the same amount of CO2, although over a longer period of time. Wow. So, in other words, this is actually saving CO2 as it as it goes. I share the concerns of Hibbing residents. <clears throat> this is uh, Representative Spencer Igo from Wabana Township up in the uh, Hibbing and Farnsworth area. He says, I share the concerns of Hibbing residents that are worried about the ways Minnesota's new carbon-free by 2040 bill would impact energy reliability and affordability in our area. This exact scenario is one of many reasons why myself and so many others opposed this bill or at the very least wanted to slow down its process so that we could take a step back and understand all the unintended consequences that this will have on Minnesotans. You know, and it seems, doesn't it seem crazy, Kenny, that they shouldn't have been able to just uh, put an amendment onto that law that says if you've got a system like Hibbing's that's already burning biomass and isn't creating yeah. any, any carbon, to let it go. Grandfather just let it, it go. in. Yep. Amen. Brad, I want to add to this. We've got a couple of minutes here. Um, Californians love their electric vehicles, but the batteries in those EVs don't like this year's cold winters. No, and no they got, don't. I've got a soundbite for you and your listeners. Here we go. Automotive experts say EV batteries are better at taking a charge when it's hot. So during California's historic and prolonged cold winter storm season, EV drivers are waiting a lot longer to get a charge, and their batteries stop charging well below capacity. Drivers in California have registered a little less than 600,000 EVs. That's about 42% of all the electric vehicles in the nation. I'm Phil Hewlett. Brad. This has got to stop. Incredible. What we saw in Chicago with Lori Lightfoot being uh, not being reelected is she took her eye off the ball. She let public safety get out of control. There was no public safety. And That's right. the people were fed up. I heard a stat that the majority, there were more elderly voters that came out to vote for this election in the history of Chicago than ever. They wanted to get rid of her. She has this, they have these backwards views on public safety. That's going to happen in this state, Brad. That's going to happen in this state. You watch. You watch. This crazy party called the Democrats. (laughs) Can't happen fast enough. It's crazy. 
You know, the crazy thing, like you were just talking about, the minerals in those batteries. Well, think about this. Hibbing is using wood waste, leftover wood products, which is renewable, by the way. Wood grows, and once you cut a tree down, you can plant another one. It's constantly renewable. The minerals in those batteries are not. So you know what? Uh, we got to take a quick break here, uh, do our Minnesota news, and uh, then we'll come back and wrap up the show here on a Thursday. Sound off on 610 KDAL. KDAL. There's always been debate. Sound off with Brad Bennett. But what we've got now, I believe, is corruption. This is KDAL AM 610 and FM 103.9. KDAL time is 153.25 at the National... I'm sorry, we're getting an update from the National Weather Service. Yeah, there it is, 25 degrees, and that's up from a morning low this morning in Duluth of minus 8. Yesterday, Brad, the high temp was 30. That is the normal high this time of the year. 15 (laughs) was the low yesterday. The normal low is 12. And again, I just want to make a quick point. I know a lot of people, a lot of listeners get hung up on this normal versus average. The National Weather Service in the U.S., but in this case Duluth, the, the average temperature, this average high of 30, that's the average over 30 years. But you can see that this is normally what we can expect, and sometimes it's above or below. So I don't have any problem saying this is what is normal. This is what can be expected. And we were basically right on the money, 30 and 30 on the highs. So there you go. That's all I got. Well, you know, I'm looking at this uh, story that we were talking about, Kenny, about this Hibbing uh, biomass. Uh, They did shut it down for a very short period of time, but uh, Hibbing invested money into it. Uh, They said part of the problem was because it was 108 years old, it was inefficient. So they invested money in the plant, about $15 million, and to put a new boiler and upgrading boiler and other parts of the plant. Now it's very, very efficient. Uh, Hibbing Renewable Energy employs about 70 people. Trucks, about 40 trucking jobs are supported by the biomass facility. And they said, Peterson, the guy that runs it, said, and as the winter winds blew and snow fell again this week in Hibbing, the system is working well. We really had no issues at all through the winter, Peterson said. Wood is our cheapest fuel. The project is working as it should. Wow, that's awesome. Too bad you know there's... What? Yeah. Yeah. It's just too bad, like Kenny says, that you've got these environmental goofballs that think they always have a better idea somehow. And in this case, it's not working or it's not going to produce the kind of results. Well, listen, I know we're just about out of time here, but I got to tell you one other thing that isn't uh, that that we're not getting the straight truth, everything about this uh, Norfolk Southern derailment in East Palestine. Because we've been told, we've even seen the results of people on uh, on television drinking a glass of water, that everything's good, there's no problems here. Well, now unions have stepped forward. The president of the U.S. Railroad Union told Biden administration officials that rail workers have been falling ill at the North Folk Southern derailment site in East Palestine. Now, do you suppose that Biden will listen to union members more than he does the average citizens? No. Remember what he did to the railroad union uh, early, was it earlier this year, late last year? Oh, yeah. 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 You don't care about them. But now uh, union members are coming forward and saying the leaders of 12 different unions have met with Transportation Secretary uh, Peter, I know nothing about transportation, Buttigieg, 
And Amat Bose, the administrator of the Federal uh, Railroad Administration, and they said that people, members of their unions, are falling ill from being on the work site. Uh, the president of the U.S. Railroad Union told Biden administration officials that rail workers have fallen ill with respiratory problems. Twelve unions met with Transportation Secretary in the aftermath and needed safety improvements. I hope in, in the sake of shareholders in this industry that we can work toward the same goal related to safety and transportation. Uh, our members are getting ill, falling ill from respiratory issues at the uh, site, and uh, they followed it up with a letter uh, to the DOT and to President Biden himself stating that uh, workers who have worked or continue to work the cleanup site have reported experience migraines and nausea working at the site. So I, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I don't think I believe the government 100% that you can have that much of that uh, of those uh, very caustic pro- products poured into the ground, then yeah. burned in the air, yeah. and that there's no problem at all. Well, that's funny that you say that because you opened the show in the first hour with uh, trusting the government. Yeah. And here's a perfect example of that. And when you it said that this morning, I thought, you know what? The thing that I trust about the government is only what it says on our money. In <laughs> God we trust. In God we trust. All others pay cash. Oh. Well, folks, we'll be back tomorrow morning. Down. Don't forget, tomorrow we have a Twins game again. They're in that Twin Baseball uh, spring schedule. So check for us a, a little earlier tomorrow. Uh, we'll be on for two hours from 10 to noon. So check us out then here on uh, 610 KDAL uh, with Sound Off. And uh, we, and we, we are going to try to have a few jokes. Uh, not here. Well, yeah. Can, yeah. I can't watch that tonight, can I? I mean, it doesn't start till 10 o'clock. Yeah, 9 o'clock uh, Duluth time. You're right. Uh, Minnesota, uh, the Wild at yeah. Vancouver, 9 o'clock. Check it out on The Game, 710 a.m. And we got at least one new player that'll be in the lineup tonight. So who knows? Maybe more by, by then. Anyway, have a great day, folks. It's a beautiful day out there. Get out and shovel. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.